0: So um, I'm going to say a proper pastorly thing, which is I love the Bible. I do. I love the Bible. Now I'm going to say a less proper thing, which is equally true, that I love some parts of the Bible more than others. (laughs) Some parts of the Bible are like lists of things. There are whole chapters and portions of books that are just names of people I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm bad with names, with people I do know, okay? So why am I reading all these names? There are lists and lists and lists of laws. Um, there are parts of the Bible that really slow me down. Uh, this portion that we're reading from Second Kings is one of the coolest, most fast-paced, action-packed, awesome parts of any book, okay? It's objectively super cool. You could make an action movie out of any part of it. Um, and our scripture readings were two uh, two of these very action-packed stories. Um, but keep those in mind, uh, because they're preceded by another very action-packed story. See, Elijah was the prophet of God to Israel, and he had, as many prophets do, he had a very difficult job, which is speak the truth to people who didn't want to hear it. And when very powerful people who didn't want to hear it heard it, They reacted badly, and a lot of people were trying to kill Elijah for much of his life. So there's this scene preceding our stories today. It's incredible. Uh, Elijah and the false prophets of the god Baal all go up to the top of Mount Carmel. There's a mountaintop arena sequence, and Elijah says, My god is the one true god. I can prove it. Let's set up an altar to Baal, and we'll set up up an altar to the Most High God, and we'll see which offering ignites. And so the prophets of Baal are praying and chanting and doing all of their stuff, and there's nothing. And Elijah prays to the Most High God, and just a blast of fire comes and ignites this offering, vindicating Elijah, proving that his God is the one true God. And I think you you might all agree with me to say, I've experienced miracles in my life. We've seen changed lives, changed hearts. We've seen new hope. We have seen physical, psychological, spiritual healing. But wouldn't it be so encouraging just once to get one of the really flashy miracles Like, just like a fire miracle, okay? I think if I saw one fire miracle, that would just carry me through at least the whole week. That, Elijah must have been on cloud nine. And and I think that the scripture backs this up because Elijah, following this scene, runs. He sprints to the palace. And he goes to the king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, who have long been his enemies. And he's vindicated he runs there and he says this is what happened my god is the one true god bam there it is and how do you think the king and queen respond they're like off with his head
1: (laughs) they don't like
0: it they don't want to hear it they're never going to hear it and so they renew their efforts to hunt down elijah and persecute and kill him for speaking the truth so poor elijah he's this one lone prophet He's on cloud nine, literal mountaintop experience, runs to the palace, and then he's on the run for his life. Uh, What's described next in scripture is a very poignant, specific description of, of the experience of depression. Elijah has nothing left in the tank. What had previously given him passion, he has no interest in. He can't carry on in what he's supposed to do. And there's such a tenderness around these scriptures because God doesn't say what we often say wrongly to people experiencing depression. Well, buck up, or here's some scripture verses. God doesn't say any of that. God feeds him and lets him sleep. (laughs) And then Elijah goes up to another mountaintop and asks for God's presence. And this is another famous story that you can read. Um, he asks for God, God's presence. And in this famous story, uh, he's watching from the mountaintop. And, and there's an earthquake and a mighty wind and a fire and all of these flashy things. And God is not in any of these things. But God is in the still, small voice. Right? Have you heard this story? But what's interesting to me is what God says in the still, small voice. Because, again, Elijah has nothing left in the tank. And Elijah's claim, his the the outcry of his heart is, I have given my whole life to this. I've done everything. I've done everything I could. And is it for nothing? I'm the only one left, and it's all fallen apart. What the still small voice says, is there is another that I've raised up. In fact, there are many who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There are many that you don't know of yet, Elijah, who will carry this work on. As action-packed and exciting as our passages today are, they do seem removed from our experience, unrelatable in some ways. Um, Like, I don't really have to ford rivers very often. Um, if I need oil, I just go to the grocery store for oil. Uh, it seems unrelatable, but in this one way, I think it's, it's uh, remarkably relatable that especially those of us who have been in the church, in the faith for decades, that it seems like we've put an awful lot in, including our passion including our effort, including our love and joy. And sometimes I can't help it to look around at the world and say, is all this effort paying off? There's so much division, not only in the secular society, but in our church, in our church. And we spend years and years working with our passion and our creativity and our love. And so I think that it is not only okay, but it is biblical to come before God and say, what's next? What good does this do? What's your plan? But I do believe that God's response to us when we cry out is the same as God's response to Elijah. I have raised up another. All along, while you've been working and weeping, while you've been using your creativity, while you've been volunteering, I've been raising up more who are faithful, who will love God and will love their neighbor. Which does finally bring us to today's stories. Um, Elisha is kind of audacious. Uh, His mentor asks him, what do you want? And Elisha doesn't just say, I want to carry on your work. He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to be twice as powerful and effective and passionate as you ever were. And so today, as we have seen these confirmands, have seen their vows and have made vows in return, I genuinely pray that they take whatever we've done and they knock it out of the park. I hope that whatever I have been able to accomplish, that they double it. (laughs) I pray that they are twice as effective and twice as encouraged and twice as filled with the Holy Spirit and twice as everything as I am. Because it's not ultimately about what our effort was, is it? It's about God's answer to us today in that still small voice. I have raised up another. I have continued the work. Even when you're tired and the tank is empty, I still have more. As Joel said and as Lisa said, there are so many opportunities to uh, encourage and disciple our young people. I feel like we're we're constantly beating the drum of come on Tuesday and Wednesday and volunteer with the kids and youth. And I still mean that with my whole heart. There is such discipleship that goes on in this church during the weekday programs that you wouldn't believe. And it's just, it fills me with joy just to think about it. So if you can make it during the week and help, I would love that. But there are so many opportunities in addition to that. Um, I do want to lift up uh, Angelina and Chandler who are such an encouragement to me. They come and hang out with our youth They are on staff, but that's not in their job description They're just coming because they love our youth and they love discipleship and they want them to have a double portion of that spirit uh, I also want to lift up uh, our volunteers David Nelson Linda Umbright. Uh, they come on during the week and they volunteer again just because they love our kids Just because they love our kids and they love Jesus, and that fills me with joy. And there are other folks on Sunday mornings. Our poor, uh, our poor PKs uh, just sort of wander in. <laughs> they walk here from home, and they wander in on their own. And people like Linda Behrens and, and Sherry Freeman, they talk with our kids and have breakfast with our kids, right? It's so easy, I think, sometimes as adults. I was just telling Justin Dallas, uh, it's easy to kind of be about our adult business, And so I encourage you to look down below your eye of sight once in a while. Because God is raising up another. God is raising up a new generation that I really, I hope, knocks this one out of the park. They are going to worship different from us. And they are going to look different from us. And they are going to drive us crazy. And they already are. And I hope they're twice as filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with love and passion as we are. All of those things can be true. We can be different from them, and we can also recognize that God does such a mighty work through them. One final thing, in our last story, I think it's interesting to note that um, the miracles of of the oil doesn't stop at any point. God doesn't go, okay, I'm out of it. I'm done. Stop bringing jars, right? When does the oil stop? When they run out of jars. That's the only reason, to this day, I assume, that the oil ever stopped, is that people stopped bringing jars. So let's not hold back with this generation and our love for them and bringing our offerings of joy and encouragement and discipleship to them. Let's not hold back a single jar and just see what God does. Amen.